Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Stoke the Wild. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is the wonderful... Joy. And we are super thrilled... (laughs) Yeah, it was like super abrupt. Joy. Uh, But we are thrilled that you are joining us once again for another episode each and every week as we talk about creativity, imagination, the things that inspire us, uh, worry us, or even get us excited about this so-called life. And if you're anywhere in the world currently in the last week two weeks three Three weeks a month or even just experience the year 2020 with any type of memory um then you know (laughs) that this is a crazy times and uh to discuss crazy times we we have a very special guest for this episode today good friend of mine his name is chris osentowski chris say hi to everybody Hey, how's it going? It's so good. Honestly, I was thinking about this right now. This is this is my podcast debut. This is your That's debut. Awesome. Huh? I know. It's crazy. We had to we had to do it sometime. Uh, I would I would rather it have been with Stoke the Wild. I'm I'm got I got my first choice. Oh well, good. Well, right, so, <laughs> well so I feel like uh, the bell of the ball. <laughs> That's not weird. No. At not, all. <laughs> not even a little bit. Uh, so Chris is joining us, though, from the comfort of his own home in uh, in the old uh, Windy City. Am I right? That is correct. I'm in Uptown right now. Um, oh, I in love my Uptown. Room, you do? I oh, love Uptown. My goodness. It's so incredible. Uh, yeah. The Green Mill. Yep. Uh, yeah. oh. Other cultural, lo- locationally relevant <laughs> references. Yeah, yep. those places. All of them. I forget. I haven't been outside in days, so oh I don't remember gosh. any of them. Half of, <laughs> half of them are boarded up now, but yeah, they're there. It's fine. Um, but, you know, uh, again, it's depending on when you're listening to this, whether it's yeah a month from now, six months from now, or it's immediately after this goes out. Uh you know, we're dealing with COVID-19, and so it's going to come up here eventually. We're all social distancing and, you know, uh, staying at home to flatten the curve. And so we're hanging out, doing some recording uh, via wonderful technology so we can do this without infecting anybody and spreading the walking dead, you know. And uh, we're glad that Chris can join us. But Chris is a comedian. He is an improviser. He is nine and a half feet tall. And <laughs> extremely funny. And so we are so glad that he is joining us uh, for this show to kind of talk about his story of creativity, about humor, and about life in general. So, uh, Chris, thank you. Thank you for making this your debut and joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, guys. Um, I think, first of all, especially, you know, just even with the time and the place that we are in right now. I think humor is going to in the next few months really play a very important role in, in all of our lives. Um, Mm. And, and I think it'll be a really interesting time, um, you know, for, for, you know, for just the recognition of like the power of humor. I think it's going to be really interesting, uh, you know, next few months just to see, uh, you know, as this plays out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's funny that you say that. I was talking to someone the other day about uh, anxiety and humor and how when mm. I feel my anxiety really keenly, I start to make jokes about about it and about, you know, everything else um, because it makes me feel more in control, right? Like when you can laugh about I, it, you feel in control. I cannot agree more. Like when 
when you and, and that's that's a big part of my my story with humor is is it was kind of the first time that I really found autonomy within um kind of just within myself because like exactly like like what you just said like if if I can if I can choose when and how this is funny you know mm. when these like when fear when depression when anxiety um when those things come up if I can choose to like point at it and say no that's other and like let's laugh at that because it doesn't have to it doesn't have to define or overwhelm me mm. oh my goodness yeah that's that's such a powerful aspect of humor yeah yeah it is it's wild um how how many more people i'm seeing who um are opening up about how humor is such a huge tool for them in their in their mental health which is um mm. it is really cool that it's opening up a, a new uh side of the conversation i think yeah and i'm sure we'll get to this but then you also have of course those who cannot take a joke and feel like things are almost always too sensitive or now is not the mm -hmm. time for that. And mm -hmm. so there is the, um, as a comedian, Chris, I'm sure you can attest to those moments of saying, yeah. okay, where is that line that I walk that, you know, dabbles in the humor of this circumstance or situation to help those who are hurting or in anxiety or myself, but then also respectfully does so, so as not to, um, just, offend to offend you know there's room obviously yeah. for that but you know just to me be mean for being mean's sake yeah well i mean there's a you know there there's a saying with 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 humor is that like what somebody has to be the butt of the joke right mm. and i think um i think as someone who who is you know who who really finds like a lot of and spends a lot of time in humor and, and you know loves being around comedy I found that like, if you can make yourself the butt of the joke first to help realize, you know, with people like you're saying about like, I think a lot of, a lot of people tend to want to take themselves very seriously. Um, if you can show that you're not doing that and you are just, you know, Hey, I'm just like everybody else. Like, like I'm, you know, I'm flawed. I have these, you know, glaring character flaws that I'm trying to work on too. Sometimes, you know, humor I found can be an incredible vehicle to, um, to deliver truth that you would never be able to say if you were lecturing about something, but a stand-up comedian can get up um, and, and make a very nuanced and difficult to make point about an issue um, that, that really, again, like um, it would only, people would only listen to their point of view because it is couched in so much humor. Um, mm. But then you get this like nugget of truth that you can walk away with. I, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I don't claim to be the, you know, a, an incredibly skilled comedian, but I've seen, um, a lot of, a lot of comedians take on subjects that I'm like, I would never have touched that. I would, I mm. will never probably touch that, but you made a point about that, about that thing specifically that I don't think anybody else could have. And that, that's kind of what's fascinated me about humor is I want to be able to talk about yeah, maybe, you know, right now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wrestling with, you know, anxiety over this, um, over this virus. And just like, you know, I've, I've dealt with anxiety and depression, you know, during my lifetime. And for me, the biggest, a, a big way to talk about it and understand it myself is to write jokes about it. And I wrote a joke. This is, oh my goodness. I, I, uh, I was looking over some old notes that I have, um, I wrote this joke like two years ago. 
I said, uh, <laughs> I said, having depression is like owning a jean jacket. Everybody has one, but celebrities and people under 25 brag about it. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's true. And, and, and I, and to me, that just helped me kind of vent some of that frustration with like, Oh my gosh, why, why are we like, I get destigmatizing mental health, but why are we glorifying mental health? Like it's this really like not mental health, sorry, glorifying, like, um, you know, uh, you know, depression or something like that. Like, why are we, why are we glorifying this? I get, I got so frustrated by it. And that was, you know, part of me learning to like, yeah, kind of fight through some of that frustration. Mm -hmm. Where, uh, when, and when it comes to the creative journey for you and Mm -hmm. getting connected with comedy and humor, can you walk us through just a little bit of your story or journey, you know, um, what kind of connected you to comedy and, um, I feel like a lot of either comedians or people even I know who are like, um, you know, funny people are, are fun to be around. They, they inevitably have a story of like, well, you know, yeah, I was kind of like the class clown or I used to make my parents laugh when no one else did kind of thing. And, uh, you know, as someone who is is not a comedian uh, by trade, but tends to have at least some funny paradigms and, and opportunities to, to connect yeah. with with humor. Um, you know, I think about even those moments in my own life that I'm sure you've also experienced. So can you kind of share with us some of your journey into comedy and humor and why you've found yourself down this path? Yeah, totally. I, um, I honestly was not, not the class clown at all. Um, I, I was, you know, I, when I come all coming through high school, I really admired the class clown. Um, but I was kind of more, I was more the jock, um, believe it or not. I know you guys have both seen me in person. I'm very, very tall. Um, that's, a, that's a joke, right? That's next to the jean jacket one. I, I was, honestly, I was the, I was the b-baller. That was me. Oh, that was man. Chris. Yeah. Well, it, yes, nine feet tall, for sure. Big hoops. Uh, so that, that was me my whole life. And then, yeah, my my senior year, I, I had three concussions and I mm. slipped a disc in my back all within a month. Oh my! Gosh. And was like, I can't, like, I can't be doing this anymore. I have to, I have to find another passion. Mm. And it took me um, a year of, uh, you know, being at college and, and um, doing a long distance relationship that ended right before my sophomore year. And it, and I was coming back uh, to Moody Bible Institute where I. I graduated from, uh, and I was coming back for my sophomore year and I said like, all right, I have to be involved in something. Um, let's just give it a try. And I, you know, looked at all the student groups. Um, I had a couple friends on the, um, on the improv team and we were, uh, one, one of my friends and I, we were sitting in the corner of Joe's and I know, you know, I know you guys know what that looks like, but for, for those who don't, basically there's a corner with these you know, big windows in kind of a courtyard where a bunch of people would walk. Um, Mm. And uh, a a friend of mine, Mia, who was on the improv team at the time, um, her and I just started doing the voices of people walking by um, (laughs) as they would go. Mm -hmm. And we we just would play and just sort of like laugh at these poor people, again, who didn't know we were making fun of them, but we were like, what's he listening to on his headphones? And we're like, oh, probably Lil Wayne. He probably thinks he's so dope or whatever. Um, <laughs> and we just laughed. We just laughed and had so much fun. And Mia was like, you should try out. And I tried out for our uh, 
a, a Bible college improv team. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm, and I made it on the team and, and I never looked back, honestly, from their comedy to me was just like, I want to take, take the next big bite. I want to like, try the next big, scary thing. You know, whenever I would feel that feeling of like the, the pit of like my heart dropping into the pit of my stomach, I'm like, okay, I know I'm in the right place because last time I did this, something really good happened after I got over this feeling. Mm -hmm. And so it went from like trying open mics, um, to getting on a couple shows and then, you know, and then, you know, meeting more friends and then producing shows. And I just finished up, um, my first show run at second city. Um, in uh, it was in February. We finished up, uh, a show run there. And, um, I, I was planning on shooting my, uh, my, my, my debut standup special this, this March, uh, well, this March, the 27th, which, uh, you know, obviously is going to oh. be happening. So we're going to delay that. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, so many things, it was just kind of the next, you know, what, oh, what's next? I want to try, I yeah. want to try mm. something. Mm. That's so interesting, uh, that you, <laughs> now you use, uh, that feeling of your heart being in your stomach to uh, be an indicator of oh I should do this thing <laughs> because yeah. most of us turn and run the other way <laughs> um, you know myself included uh, hmm. I I feel that feeling and I'm like oh no I don't think so how far away from this feeling can I get um, so that's yeah that's really interesting. It was, I mean, it was scary. It was scary initially, but I think, again, you know, I think for me, a big, big part of comedy has been autonomy and it, it sounds, it sounds odd and almost sounds weird in some ways, but like being on stage and saying something and hearing an audience laugh, Mm. um, again, like I never grew up doing theater, so I had like no context for that, but like when I could say words that I knew were funny and then like other people would like find them funny and give me that instant like gratification and feedback that mm-hmm. kind of became like, that kind of became a place where I really felt like I, I did, I, I at least had some control. And if I didn't have control, I knew how, you know, I, I knew that I had to do a certain amount of work to maybe again, like workshops and jokes to get them funnier so that I could, you know, I, I could do that. And, yeah, and I and I think for me that that oddly enough gave me a really, I don't know, gave me a, a fondness of comedy um, because I don't I don't know if anybody it, it, well if everybody really gets to feel that feeling of control, um, you know, and and in the the lack thereof, you know, of of having that feeling of control, you know, can lead to a lot of, I guess, unhealthy. Um, unhealthy un- unhealthy reaches for control you know in in other avenues yeah. of life yeah i mean we're all I, I feel like most human beings are are searching for control in some way or another um and like dealing with um any kind of uncertainty or anxiety when we're focused on um you know when we're when we're trying to control things we're focusing on the future and trying to control an outcome and mm-hmm. um and so it makes sense you know like what you're saying that that would be um sort of the thing um you know where yeah. you you can say like okay well that didn't go maybe quite as i expected it to but i know what to do to get back to um being in control of this situation and uh and i, I know how to like revamp this yeah 
I was, yeah, I think, uh, sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. I was just going to say that I like, you know, again, not being a comedian by trade, but having, mm-hmm. having some different experiences growing up where I did do theater and I was in front of people and I spent a lot of time going, you know, I'm either being forced to do this because my parents put me in this or I mm. signed up for the wrong class or I thought this was different than I thought it'd be. Yeah. And then finding myself enjoying it for that same reason, like, oh, I can come up here and say or do something totally ridiculous that I find funny or or great. And now other people are giving me that instant feedback going, yeah, that is great. Like yeah. there's not a, there's no other feeling that compares to that when you've connected oh, with an audience and you're like, yeah, OK, this is cool. Well, and I think the freedom that comes with it too is like, is like you were saying when you, you know, if you sign up to do a play, you get handed a script. Um, part of the like the 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 the, the rawness and almost like nudity of stand up comedy is that you walk up there with nothing. Mm, um, yeah, you know, and like you you walk up there with nothing except for what you brought, um, and. You know, and and you can you can come up, you know, you can you can come up and have all these amazing bits that you prepared, and then totally forget them. Mm. And that like that like feeling of nervousness, but then like again on the other end, the great payoff, right? Like I don't know if I wasn't doing stand up comedy, I would probably just be in casinos because like I love the gamble, like I love that rush <laughs> of like, oh, is this gonna work? I don't know. You know? And then, and then seeing and falling flat on your face and then like having oh after a good a good bomb oh there's no feeling like it like just going back home taking a long shower and just being like why am i doing this and then having to kind of rebuild yourself back up it's it is a in a in a lot of ways it's a microcosm of like of of life of love of a lot of things where it's like you're you're kind of getting that but in in a controlled manner and it's and when, you know, when the, when the consequences aren't, you know, aren't fatal or maybe you just feeling bad about the performance you gave, you know, it's, it's, it's a really fun, fun world. Mm. That's cool. Do you, I was going to ask Nick, cause I know you definitely just even the times we've hung out, Joy, unfortunately we haven't hung out as much and I'm sure this is true of you as well, but like you, you to me have a really keen sense of like what makes people laugh um, and, and you, and I see, and I've like seen you do it before where you can like take it kind of a step back and almost watch, do you, do you, have you ever, I guess I'm trying to ask you a question. Have you had the <laughs> feeling of like sort of watching yourself in third person? Yes. You kind of just weave in control and, and, and create this, like create this funny moment for people. Have you felt that feeling before? Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've described that feeling to joy before, like when I've done something where I'm like, I don't know what just happened. (laughs) But I like I do know what happened. But at the same time, I don't because I feel like I've left my body and witnessed it as an audience member. That's how like smooth it went, you know, or how observationally witty like the scenario took place where I could see every domino begin to fall and guide it to where I wanted it to go for the final reveal of ta-da. And yeah, it's, it's weird when, when it happens. Cause it doesn't seem, it definitely feels supernatural, you know, mm-hmm. like in a, yeah. in a good way where you're like, Oh wow, that was, that was awesome. <laughs> and that can, that can happen in groups of like 
three or four people, yeah. but that can happen on stage too. That can, you yeah. know, that can happen in a one-on-one conversation. It's just, it's so, it is so interesting. Like as you craft stories or jokes or, you know, whatever, it's, it's a very, very interesting feeling. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, one of the things that I've always felt for myself anyway, was that I, I'm sometimes probably too aware I can then, which then turns into like, I notice things about people that like make me mm. definitely judgmental and that's my own shortcomings, yeah. but like I can be keenly observational about things. So in like conversation, you know, whether it's a word or an action, something pops up that I find is funny. And then all of a sudden I find myself like talking about it and you know, what, whatever. And I, I know that observational comedy, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. observational comedy is a, is obviously a form of, of the genre of comedy, but um, where do you find yourself kind of fitting into hmm. into that playhouse? Like in terms of, are you more observational, situational, like a storyteller comedian, or are you more of you know physical? Like I have this singular setup for jokes. Um, you know, I think of like a Mitch Hedberg where he was just like. Yeah, yeah, so these are all of my jokes, and I've memorized them. They're written out. They're less. They're, they're really less situational. They just kind of follow one after the other. And then you have like yeah. your um, one of the a, a good st- joke storyteller. I feel like where he tells more stories than he does jokes is um, uh, uh oh shoot, now I'm gonna forget. Eddie is or Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. Mike like, Birbiglia, which one? maybe? Mark, Mike Birbiglia, but also Fluffy Inglesius. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where he's just like, oh, he's you great. just told a story and you just made me laugh through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, wasn't really a punchline to any of that. It's just like the way that you're telling the story, right? So you have like the storyteller comedian, and then you have like yeah. the, no, here is the setup with the joke and the punchline. And, um, or you have like the physical Gallagher, you know, I'm smashing a watermelon type of, you know, <laughs> comedy. And there's these various forms and, and some people kind of, you know, dabble in, in multiple forms, but then some people like are clear standouts in that direction. Where do you find yourself as you, you know, approach comedy or where do you find yourself m- more leaning towards or most comfortable or, or how is that dance for you? I guess I should say. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's a great question. I think where where I find myself is kind of doing um, doing really more storytelling than anything, but trying, I guess, doing more storytelling than anything, but trying to incorporate the beautiful things about just like a setup punchline and a um, you know, and a physical, because I mean, we're, we're physical, right? I guess you can't, I can't say you don't bring anything up on stage because I bring my body up on stage. Right. And you both have witnessed my body. Um, like it has to be addressed. Uh, it should be addressed. Yes. Put clothes on. Don't ever go up there. (laughs) Exactly. It it, it has to be dressed and addressed (laughs) when people see a a six, eight person, you don't see somebody that's my size every day. And so, (laughs) For the longest time, I would want, I, I would like, I would open by being like, um, yeah, I don't know why God made me this way either. Like, I don't feel like, you know, the, the height of an NBA player and the body of a 12 year old girl should be mixed together, but here we are. <laughs> like, and, and like, and that, so that was a way to like, again, draw attention to me just standing there is physical comedy enough. Right. But then, you know, I'm a very, I'm a very like, um, I, I guess we all are very narrative people, right? We really understand our, um, 
our world through narrative. Like I, you know, I, I don't think I can understand my Christianity um, through anything but narrative. Um, we, we understand, you know, the, the stories that we tell, we're always telling each other stories. Right. And so, um, you know, I want to tell the story of when I produced a show for my ex-girlfriend and she sang a song that was written about me, you know, like a very, like, very like angry and very mean. And I was standing there like, um, uh, this is definitely about me. You know, like I'm going to tell that story <laughs> because it's, because it's a very human story. Yeah. Um, and, and people can relate to that feeling of like, I shouldn't be here right now, but I am. And, you know, and, and then, and then from there, I like to think of like my storytelling, like, like the main, you know, if, if we, there's like a structure of um, like, I, like a tree almost like the story is a tree. And then I have, you know, maybe a couple one-liners that are, um, that are branches here and there, um, you know, and I, and so maybe it's a longer form story, mm-hmm. but kind of throughout I'm giving little, little punches, little points to laugh at um, as the story allows it. And like, again, you're both storytellers. Like you, you, you do this, you might just not know you're doing it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe it's, um, maybe it's something, uh, you know, about like the thread. And I think, you know, I mentioned Mike Burbigley. I think he is the gold standard for this where he he'll take his hour comedy special and he's telling one story throughout it, but he just gets sidetracked, you know, and everybody thinks, uh, you know, that you might watch him and think, Oh, he's just kind of like, he's scatterbrained. Like, no, he knows exactly what he's doing. Mm. He's going off on a little trail to get back to his main story. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of what I try to do when I do a longer, a little bit of a longer set. Um, yeah. And it just, it helps, uh, it helps me to, uh, to be able to have that like route to come back to that. I'm like, Oh, that's right. I'm telling this story. Right. Mm. Um, cause you're memorizing a lot of it. So, you know, you have to have to keep, you know, you have to keep those things in, in the back of your yeah. head as well. So, well, I think that's where truth and comedy comes into play, right? Because you, yeah. while, while you are manipulating to a point, the way the story goes again, for the purpose of leading the audience to the punch or to the, you know, result of this joke for the laughs, there still has to be enough truth to it so that way it's believable, not just by them, but by you as the deliverer. So the yeah. setup is all part of the story and it's also the story then is part of the joke. And so they kind of circ you know, go around in a circle to create what we see up on stage. Yeah. Absolutely. And that the whole I think the whole art of stand up comedy is really convincing people that you're not doing stand-up comedy, that you're just up there maybe getting stuff off your chest. You know, you think about someone like a Bill Burr where people see him and they think, oh, he's just like an angry, you know, he's just an angry white dude, which definitely, he definitely is. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and I totally understand people that don't like mesh with his style of comedy, but, you know, he he has effectively convinced everyone that that he's not up there just trying to make make people laugh he's just up there like just speaking his mind Mm -hmm. um which is funny because then you know like amateur comedians like myself will get up there and be like oh all i have to do to be funny is just get up on stage and speak my mind and i think if you've ever 
been to an open mic, if you've ever seen somebody try stand-up comedy for the first few times and you've seen someone do that, it is painfully obvious. Mm. And it is so, oh my goodness, watching someone bomb for me is worse than bombing. Because there's just like, oh, just like watching them get up and be like, what's the deal with airplane food, huh? It's not very good. And in their head, they were like, oh, that was so good. That that killed. But the audience doesn't feel the same way. Like, you know, it, 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 it's about the illusion of the illusion of not, you know, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just getting up here and saying stuff. But yeah. but really being in control, you know, at the same time, it's very interesting. That brings me to a question that I have had for a long time, um, yeah. specifically in life, but also in this episode. Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> so here we go. Up. Here we go. Yeah. Strap in, everybody. <laughs> Audience, this one's for you too. You can poll by calling. No, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you could you could all give input, I guess. Um, so for me, I feel very uncomfortable in improv, right? Because I don't yeah, know okay. what's coming. I don't know what's coming next, and I hate it. I <laughs> hate it with every fiber of my being. Um, I can be as goofy as you want if you give me like a setup, right? And that's yeah. awesome. And I can make people laugh in that way. Um, give me rules. And that's awesome. But improv is uncomfortable for me. And so I'm always mm-hmm. sort of in wonder of people who can handle improv, who can see what's coming next and who can sort of follow that trajectory. And this is one thing that is very curious to me. You're talking about writing jokes. You're talking about writing a set and memorizing yeah. it. Right. How on. How. Like, do you, how do those things connect? Um, I I guess my question is when people are doing improv, people who like improv um, and are good at it, unlike me, because I hate it. um, (laughs) Is it, is it a thing where like, um, do you already have planned out what you're going to do or are you legitimately reacting in improv? Um, This is yeah, this no, is my question, and like, how does that feed into then like writing a set? Like, it's it's very weird to me, and it makes me very uncomfortable. And for me, I'm always reacting, um, and that's why I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that is a fantastic question. I think maybe I should have uh, like distinguished those two first because I those to me improv and stand up are two totally different worlds in my mind. Those mm-hmm. are two totally different parts of my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas, uh, it, you know, standup is, is, a, is primarily writing, right? Is writing yeah. and then fine tweaking, perf- you know, the performance aspect. You're really, you know, looking at like, do I want to turn my head here or not? Whereas mm. improv, improv is its own beast. It is a beautiful, hot mess um, <laughs> where it, it's, it is a, like, I joy. It's funny because I totally relate to like all those feelings of like a lot of times, like it's, it it is terrifying because you know, instead of, whereas like I come up prepared, if I'm going to do a stand up set, Mm -hmm. I have nothing, um, doing, doing improv. Um, but it, for me, it took reframing, right? So Mm -hmm. I've, I've gotten to teach a lot of, a lot of high schoolers about improv, um, Mm -hmm. and just like bring them up on stage and get them comfortable and one thing that I always emphasize is that, like, you know, you don't want to come up with something planned. I always say that there, there's a scene already on stage. There's a, there's a universe that's already taking place on stage. The improvisers that are going up, 
we're just we're just participating in that world and we're just discovering that world <laughs> but it's already there mm-hmm. and, it, and it sounds kind of cheesy but like you know if i start out a scene um walking in you know and i and i have something in my hand and i say oh these results don't look good you know okay what have we discovered about that scene already and you know there's one other person okay well there i have the results and they don't look good okay so it, it, I'm probably then I'm probably a doctor or, you know, maybe I'm a doctor, but we haven't said that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would make him my, you know, my patient. And what we've discovered about this scene so far is probably that I'm presenting him with like some test results that aren't very good. And then he goes, listen, I'm not going to stick to your diet. It's too unrealistic. Okay. So perfect. So I'm a specific kind of doctor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I'm a nutritionist, and I've built him a diet and he is, he is pushing back against the diet because it's unrealistic, but I've got like his test results in my hand. So maybe I respond to, listen, if you want to see your daughter graduate high school, you're going to start e- eating some dang kale, <laughs> you know, in, 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 we've in, in, in three lines right there, you know, we have, we have a whole world where like, you know, the, this patient is being, you know, we've discovered so much about that world, right? I didn't yeah. go and then with the mindset of saying like, I've got to, you know, build all these facts and throw them all together so that everyone can see the world. Yeah. You know, in, th- in three lines, we, we built like a, we built the whole universe and me and my, you know, me and my improv, uh, improv duo partner, he and I like with that three, those three lines, Oh, we'd have, we'd have a field day. We we would have so much, you know, we could have so much fun within that little world there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took, it took, you know, just reframing it um, mm. as, as not necessarily like, I got to have this thing planned out, but like, let's go up there and discover this weird thing on stage and see if other people can relate to it too. Mm. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but like Joy, as you were talking about even your feelings about that, and like, wow, well, you know, I, I'm not good about not what what knowing what's coming next. I don't and like I, that. You know, the yeah. react like having to react to that mm-hmm. is hard. I'd rather know what's coming. For me, the little bit of improv work that I've done and things like that, I've always felt like. Well, that's real life. Like, we don't know what's coming next. Right, we and that's why I don't like it. <laughs> we, we, do, we don't know the line it's that's coming out of everybody's mouth. It's, yeah. I, uh, I came here to escape reality, yeah. not embrace it. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, and, that, like, to be fair, the tiny, tiny, even smaller amount of improv experience that I have, um, smaller than Nick's experience, um, was basically tryouts for Ad Vivum, right? Like, yeah. I think oh, wow. that was okay. tryouts. Um was to do some improv. And I remember um, like two things that happened to me because it's it's not like I'm consciously choosing these things, okay? But these two <laughs> things happen when I try to do improv. Everything becomes extremely literal. <laughs> like yeah. literally everything. Um, and And I can remember only one rule, the yes and rule. That is all I've got. Um, Hmm. and so I remember things, painful things happening, (laughs) uh, during tryouts and during the occasional moments when we would play an improv game, we, you know, go to some show or whatever and do an improv game. Um, so I remember like, um, in my, in my tryout, somebody said like, uh, you know, this guy is, is 
you know, you're a clerk in a store and this guy walks in and he's creating trouble in the store and like you don't give him a moment and you just jump all over him. And I was like, okay. And so that was like the setup for us. (laughs) Nick, do you remember what happened? I don't. You don't? don't. Oh, yeah. I physically jumped on a person because I was like, that's what they said. (laughs) This is my rule. It's literal. (laughs) I'm on top of you now. I did. And he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, they said to jump on you. That's what it is. I legitimately feel like you are the Michael Scott of improv class. (laughs) Every time you walk in, I have a gun. Bang. Bang. (laughs) This is this is a hospital. Bang. (laughs) I I found you. You've been you've been hiding with this fake disguise, but I found you. That's right. And then the improv teacher's like, give me all your guns. (laughs) Even the one from your ankle holster. (laughs) That's me <laughs> when I do pro- <laughs> Michael Scarn. <laughs> oh bang, my bang. god! Oh, it's yeah, it's uncomfortable. Um, so that's one thing that has always uh, when I look at people and they mm. can they can do that right and legitimately react. Um, and it, it's fine. I can react okay to people in real life sometimes, but um, sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> but <laughs> but in an improv setting, um, everything becomes like very visceral and very literal mm-hmm. and um yeah and i'm always in awe of people who can think on their feet in that way and go like yeah this isn't actually real i don't actually have to physically assault a person <laughs> because that's not what somebody means when they say you jumped all over them um <laughs> but it's uh it has made for fun stories to tell in retrospect yeah. <laughs> But honestly, but like for you trying that and trying that thing you that makes you like viscerally uncomfortable, like that is the human bonus points. I, I I'm giving you human bonus Ooh, points. Yeah, those are redeemable. Because those are redeemable for they're redeemable human at, bonus coffees. <laughs> I would take that. That's that is perfect type of uh, human bonus points. You just have to find a human bonus Starbucks somewhere that's open right now. Exactly. Don't exist. <laughs> but they're for oh. dining only, so they expire in two weeks. So. Oh. Sorry. It <laughs> sucks. It's like a, uh, to, to, uh. I, I saw, I think, on Twitter the other day that so, someone tweeted, um, this this uh, COVID-19 relief bill is going to put you know thousands of dollars back into the hands of the Americans. But what they don't tell you is that they're Trump bucks and they can only be spent at his hotels. <laughs> Good luck with those human bonus points. Painfully accurate. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Oh, that's great. Hey, but hey, you did you did a thing that makes you uncomfortable and like Yes, deeply so. And now, and now you have power over that, and it doesn't have power over you. Yeah, you it did not feel that way. You cast I will out that demon. You what? cast it right out of here. Well, the worst part is you that it was that gator. It was the very first time that I had ever met this person. Hi, my name's Jordan. Get out of our store. It was. Wait, do you? Did you get to know them more though through like after that interaction? Oh yeah, we both somehow well, I I know why he made it on the team. He was good. I don't know why I made it on the team. Um I somehow managed to like skate my way in and uh 
and yeah, we became friends after that. And um, he would, you know, joke about it. And I would always turn very red and say, I'm so sorry for that one time that I jumped on you. <laughs> that's that's the story of my life. Uh, I'm so sorry that I jumped on you. That's it, man. <laughs> Joy's um, autobiography. You- <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> Yeah, it's like in that with like arms crossed, like turned to the side a little bit picture. Yeah, yes, and I love that. That would be perfect. Incredible. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, before we move into our uh, next segment, Chris, I gotta ask, what is one of your favorite jokes that you've ever written? And it, maybe you've shared that with us earlier with the Jean Jacket one, which was pretty good. Oh. But if uh, if you had to share another one, that's like, no, this is probably my favorite joke. Um, I would love to hear it, but also, what's one of your favorite jokes that you're like? I really like this one, but it has never done well, or it's not ever really done that great. But it's a joke that you really like. Ooh, oh, I love that question so much. Okay, um, <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and take uh, liberty. This is my favorite one. I'll, I'll warn you. I don't know what the uh, standard viewership is. Well, okay. This is the first time that I was allowed to swear in front of my mom and made her laugh. <laughs> in that, okay. in that, so, that holds like a very special place in my heart. Yeah, we've got a um, swear warning, children. If you're listening, if you're listening, Zoe, you should be in bed. But the swear warning. <laughs> our, our daughter the other day said, "So I started listening to your podcast on my tablet," and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I legitimately looked so, at Nick and I said, did I swear at all? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It basically, it's nothing our president hasn't said. So oh, good. Okay. Uh, Great. Um, totally fine then. But I, I know his boundaries are wide open. I know. So exactly. Not his borders. So the, oh, my God. Oh, sorry. Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> So this is the this is my this is my favorite joke, um, particularly because it it made my mom laugh, and and my dad, which like is is tough to find, get them both. So um, one time I said the word shit in front of my mom, and she washed my mouth out with soap, which oh. wasn't fun, but it wasn't nearly as bad as the time that I said the word soap and she washed my mouth out with shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. So that's uh, that's one one that hasn't landed. Um, oh yeah, this is one that hasn't landed. It, this is just a one-liner that hasn't landed very well. But I love it so much. Um, it, it's 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 re- it's really dear to my heart, and I don't know why. Um, mm-hmm. I'll tell it, I'll tell it to you guys. Here it is. Uh, tax evasion is like giving coma patients wedgies. The IRS can't prove I did either of those things. <laughs> um, and so, and again, like, it's not, it's, it's so dumb, guys. I love it so much. You've got, you got, you got a fan. Okay. Well, thank you, Joy. This is a first. This really means a lot to me. She's like crying. Okay. That's funny. I can't hear it, but I'm laughing. I know. She's laughing so hard. She's got tears coming out of her eyes. Oh, I almost said mouth. My God. <laughs> There's tears coming out of her mouth. Oh <laughs> that Ooh, would that be terrible. <laughs> she is now oh. drooling. Oh. <laughs> she's, she's laughing so hard you put her in a coma. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, 
I don't know what I was expecting, but it was not that. <laughs> For the joke? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought that was really that funny. Was great. <laughs> it's like one of those... Uh, like if you're too slow, like on the like connecting the dots for it, I could see why it would, like n- you know, it would miss some people, you know, because it's yeah. like one of those, yeah. like it's a quick turn into what you're t- t- getting at. So you got to kind of be a little <laughs> quick minded to to connect it. If you're like what wedgie, tax of huh? Like it, I could easily <laughs> see that happening to some people, but if you're quick, that is as I am. Yes. Exactly. I'm clearly, joy, clearly, joy I am the smartest the of all. all of us. <laughs> yeah. Quick wit. I, I, I want to try this last one on you because this one also hasn't landed, but it holds a dear place in my heart. Well, um, Joy's the perfect test audience. <laughs> oh my god! Apparently, I, know, I love this. I don't know um, why okay, this joke isn't in... landing. I had this lady <laughs> laugh. <laughs> Dude, Joy, it killed. It killed. It killed for Joy. It killed with Joy. <laughs> Killed with joy. Put her in a coma. It was so sick. Um, no, okay. Here we go. Uh, uh, okay, going into a haunted house is like playing Russian roulette with a Glock. Whoever goes first usually loses. So it's okay. Some giggles. It's again. It's it's really it's really heavy up top with like the okay going into a haunted house playing Russian roulette with a Glock, you have to understand what a Glock is and right. understand that it's like, it's, you know, it's not like a normal revolver. And then whoever goes first usually loses, you know, we're workshopping it. We're seeing, we're yeah. seeing if it's ready for the big clubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. The other one is better though. I'm just going to no, say. I, I, that's, that's if you're know. going okay. on the, on the joy meter, the first the one was meter. better. The the okay. you hit a thousand joys. The middle, <laughs> the middle one, because there were three. Oh yeah, I guess the the first jacket. one was three. fun. No, the shit one. Oh right. Yeah. There was the shit one, and then the Nick right. is uncomfortable now. <laughs> now I've got to put one of those little explicit e's next to this episode. Is that because I, I said shit so many times. <laughs> yes. Um, Joy said it. Joy said it three times. I only said it twice. This so, is true. Yeah, but just so you know, <laughs> she passed me. Oh, uh, I usually do that to people. <laughs> she just jumps on them. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Oh. oh, that was great. And uh, oh. the uh, with so you were talking about doing this. Um, you just you just finished up some stuff at Second City. I didn't even know you were you were over there. How long have you been at Second City doing stuff? That that was just a a, a month show run that we had. Um, I did a did a show called uh, the Fitting Room with my friend Danielle. Um, and the whole premise of the show was that we were just like we were trying stuff on, trying it out. Um, and so yeah, it was super fun. We had a whole bunch of we had some like uh, sketch people we had a girl that just did exclusively characters. Um, we had, uh, one of her friends. Um, and this is like, this is a horrifying picture, but like she for four minutes did like a semi, like semi sexy dance to, uh, uh, Josh Groban's, um, uh, you raise me up. 
I'm not kidding you. That's like funny. I think oh. I lost I lost weight in that three minutes with how difficult that was to watch. But it was so funny. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, and like cool. when, he, when he does the when he does the key change, she had a chair and she just like kicked the chair over. And like <laughs> it ended with a standing ovation. It was legitimate magic. I can't make it up. It was it was incredible. That's oh, hilarious. That's great. I love it. That's so funny. Uh, well. Chris, every every episode we have a segment called What We're Going to Do Today where we have an opportunity to talk about projects or things that we're working on, an opportunity for you to share some of the stuff that you've got going on. Um, and so this is our What We're Going to Do Today segment. You ready? Awesome. Yep. Hey, hey, what we going to do today? Hey, hey, what we going to do today? I can't wait. Tell me what we're doing today. All right, so what we're going to do today uh, listeners, you guys can email us, stokethewild at gmail.com, or hit us up on uh, the social media pages at stokethewild using hashtag stokethewildpodcast and let us know your thoughts on um, some of the projects or things that you've got going on or questions, concerns, um, life wondering questions like Joy has had this episode about why improv is done a certain way. You know, whatever this it is. my whole life. <laughs> whatever it is, you can let us know, and Joy will definitely answer it for you and uh, i don't think that's true <laughs> uh, then you'll have to just check it against wikipedia to verify its accuracy snopes um, snopes you have to check things against snopes you're not you're not sending out like scams and phishing people no but that's how you find out if things are true wikipedia is not the standard Look. for true it's it's actually come a long way in like the last 20 years. It's really too uh, bad no one else can see what just happened. Nick is working on his new project called Wikipedia Apologetic. Uh, Guys, for- let me tell you, all of the best reports on serious subjects I've heard have come mostly from Wikipedia. <laughs> I watch documentaries all the time and then I double check the Wikipedia and it's there. It's there. So it's got to be real, <laughs> right? The name of this podcast is going to get switched to uh, Stoke the Wiki. To, to exactly WikiLeaks. Um, <laughs> that's a whole different thing. Uh, all right. <laughs> we got a segment to get to. Yes. We got a segment to get to. I'm it's called Conspiracies focus. with Chris. And so here we go. <laughs> Gosh, the, uh, here's, here's the thing birds, are they real? I, I've never seen one. I've never seen one. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do today, though, we talk about projects and things we've got going on. So, um, Joy, what are some of the things that you've got going on project wise or that you're working on during our uh, quarantinis? Well, um, I think that I'm going to make some focaccia tomorrow. And um, that's I'm, bread, right? It's bread. It's bread. And uh, yeah. And I'm going to. um do some painting and some music. It's pretty much what I'm going to do. Play some, ideally, and this is a little bit, um, what's the word, when you are kind of shooting for the stars and you don't actually expect to make it. What's that thing? Mediocrity? No, not, not bad. <laughs> like, I'm going to try really hard at the thing. <laughs> I don't expect it to go well, but I'm going to try. Um, you know what I'm talking about? That thing. I'm going to try that. No, it's there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm going to try and cover one of my favorite Andrew Bird songs um, on the ukulele. And that is... Uh, 
as a scary thought. I'm gonna, gonna no, no, that's the same thing as try. This is uh, this what, is uh, what Andrew Bird cover? song is it? This is also a problem. I don't know what it's called. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> His song titles are so. You know, he's listening to this right now. Abstract. I know. He's very it. upset. I realized the other day I've been listening to him for like 17 years. And uh, and, and we got to ask. And now I'm are trying. Are Andrew to... Birds even real? I've never seen one. We have like four or five times in person. And when he walked by, I went. I know, that's, yeah. That is true. That is a true thing that really happened. So while you're looking that up, uh, some of the stuff that I've got going on this uh, this week. Um, I've been, this is oh, my what, gosh. It's called is, Don't Be Scared. Don't Be Scared. Yeah. So. Well, how appropriate, Joy. Topical. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's good. That's a good one. Oh, how the stars that you shot for and fell short of aligned. Mm. <laughs> well, so there's a joke that didn't go over That's well. It. <laughs> you want an audience for that? Oh. <laughs> All right. So uh, this week, I've been uh, unrelated to creative projects. I've just been enjoying playing a whole lot of Nintendo Switch with my children. <laughs> uh, they are the older ones are old enough to in, enjoy playing. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, we have been having some fun playing through mm-hmm. these things. It usually ends up with them like roaming and doing things, then me going, no, don't sell that. No, don't eat that. No, cook it this way. No, give me that controller so I can beat that boss for you. <laughs> but it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's good times. Uh, and then, yeah, just doing some painting and writing <laughs> along with uh, my part time work. Um, so it's kind of like. It sounds a little mundane, but in the midst of all the things that are currently going on uh, with with what's happening, you know, there are certain things that you just kind of kind of put your nose to the grind and just keep moving on with and uh, mm. continue to get done even in the midst of that. So um, I said it last week and uh, the week before in our episodes, but, you know, it's, there's a lot of pressure for some people to say, well, you know, get those projects done. You have all this time now. And. Some of us, no, we don't. We have even less time because we're working part-time jobs or we're working full-time jobs and we have kids. And the truth is if you don't get to those magic projects that you have always wanted to work on because now you're stuck in the house, that that's okay. It's more important to take care of yourself. So mm-hmm. uh, do that. And then if you get some things done too, cool. And if not, that's okay. Yeah. It's totally fine. So Absolutely. my biggest personal goal though this week is to – read comic books for mm. um for the memory bank of creativity just as i look at paneling and storytelling visually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah chris I like that projects That's things that me. you've got going Project. on <laughs> hi projects I, I, do you have any chris's you're this, working on I, I have this whole week off uh, which is crazy. And, you know, I'm, I am blessed with the ability to work from home, but I took this week off cause I was planning on going, you know, on a vacation that got canceled. But mm. for me this week, um, I, I'm wanting to start, uh, th- this rhythm of morning, evening and night prayer. Um, and there's a, there's a specific, uh, there's a specific author whose name is escaping me right now, but he, um, he really like has a really like high value on like praying from your knees, even if it's literally just like, 
you wake up, you get out of bed, you get on your knees and you just say like, Lord have mercy, like a short prayer like that or something, you know, something like that. So I'm wanting to get into that rhythm this week. That's something um, definitely working on. Um, I want to read a little bit of, uh, a little bit of uh, Flannery O'Connor this week. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. very good. Yeah. That's Get awesome. some of that sweet, sweet Catholic guilt. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, for me, I, uh, I I made a video about this, but I just found out that uh, Premiere Pro has a free seven-day trial, um, and the monthly rate is pretty affordable. And so um, I'm wanting to uh, – at least make one video every day this week. Uh, this is not an advertisement, but I just read somewhere that Adobe was giving out two months free for people right now. What? Yo. Yeah, completely, like for their creative cloud. So Hold up. If I just, if I, because my seven-day trial is about to run out, I got to get on this. I'm going to have to check this out. Yeah, so I was a, a current subscriber and again, this is not an ad. I just legitimately saw something about it. I don't have all the details in front of me. Uh, but in like yeah. one of those, hey, here are some like companies trying to help people out during this crisis. And yeah. it was like Adobe is giving two free months to like new subscribers and current subscribers. If you're current, you have to go in and like request a cancellation of your service. And then they'll be like, hey, if it helps, here's two free months to stay. And then we won't charge you again until two months from now. And so that's what I did because I was already a current subscriber, but I'm not sure how it works like with a new setup um, or what. But yeah, so I don't have to pay for my Creative Cloud stuff, which I use until like June or July or whatever two months from now is. I think June. June. That's legit. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and uh, see if I, I'm logging in right now. Uh, my, my laptop is up. Yeah. So, so that's, okay, awesome. that's awesome. For anyone else who's interested, um, yeah, I'm sure there's details somewhere. Again, this is not an ad. I'm just telling you, I found it out. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's cool, though. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. are you uh, with some of the the like video stuff? Are you hoping whether it's during this, you know, quarantine or um, during your week off to do some like live stand up like or video stand up type of stuff like to put out there for people? I, I don't know. I think for me and, I, and you know, maybe, maybe another day we'll, we can talk about this too, but the room in the setting for standup is so delicate, um, that it can be, a you know, like you could, you could do the same exact material, um, in, in a room with a higher ceiling, for instance, and it wouldn't land. So through the medium of, um, video, it can be, can be hard, but I've considered it. I I'm writing five jokes a day right now just to try and, like just dumb short one-liners just to try and keep those creative juices flowing. So maybe you'll see a video posted of me where I'm just reading, you know, reading my, uh, my, my, my dumb jokes. We'll see. So yeah, I don't want to count <laughs> it out, but right now I'm working on a, a video. I, I made some, uh, it's a recipe I kind of made up, but it's called candied broccoli. Basically it's, it's <laughs> super duper good. Um, and I, and I sort of like filmed myself doing that. I'm thinking about putting over like really sarcastic commentary and just seeing how that goes um, and posting that. So you might see some stuff up here and there, but yeah, I don't know. We're, yeah, we're figuring it out. Nice. 
That's awesome. That sounds like fun. Candied Broccoli. Mm. Also a good name for a stand-up album. Ooh, okay. Writing that one down. <laughs> so, uh, I don't ask for much. Maybe a ticket when you're famous to see a show. Oh my God. Uh, right. so, uh, I mean... Flights and hotel are comped, of course, but just mostly. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are comped. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, uh, but yeah, so that, that's really cool. Um, Chris, thank you so much for joining us and being on the show and bringing some humor and laughter into our lives yeah. uh, this week and hopefully into the lives of our listeners as well. Uh, for those who want to follow you, support you, continue along in this journey with what you're doing, where can they find you at? Yeah, um, I am on right now mainly just on YouTube and Instagram. Um, those are my two main platforms. Um, on YouTube, I am uh, I'm Christopher J. Uh, so real easy to spell. Nothing, nothing too uh, big about it. I just post dumb sketch ideas that I come up with on the fly. I was looking back at some old stuff uh, where I just today and just made me laugh. I did a, I did a video with my friend a long time ago where we're basically pseudo Alex Jones, but we're talking about grenade control and, um, <laughs> and how, how the government is coming for our grenades. Oh my gosh. I know it's, it's, <laughs> it's so dumb, but it was so funny. I was laughing out loud today by myself, like a crazy person. Oh, um, that's, so a that's... lot of that kind of dumb stuff. So dumb little sketches there. I post my stand up sometimes. Um, but then on Instagram, I'm always posting stories and you can find me on Instagram at Christopher.j.o. Awesome. That's great. Those will be down in the uh, liner notes there. As you uh, listen to the show, you can check that out. Um, and support Chris, follow him, um, make sure you check out his stuff. When the world begins to turn again and uh, your stand-up special ends up happening yeah. or you have shows that are coming out, um, this is how you can keep up with him and what's going on so you can stay connected to that. And uh, as always, you can find me on our social media platform, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Nick Dirtinger Art. Um, where all of my creative stuff is as well. Enjoy. You can find me at JM Dirtinger on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I use Twitter for mean rants and Instagram for weird <laughs> and cute pictures of my kids and Facebook mm. mostly for work. So if you're interested in any of those things, that's <laughs> where you can find Joy, me. Joy's real personal. You gotta. You, I guess you got to know so, her to get it. That's um, so organized. I love it. <laughs> This is my angry pet profile. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but as always, guys, you can go to stokethewild.com to check out some of the other events and things we've got coming up. Check out our merchandise. Yeah. Our, uh, some of our writings and things like that as well. And uh, we're getting ready to celebrate our one-year anniversary of the show coming up in April. And if you haven't yet subscribed, uh, go to patreon.com slash stokethewild where you can join us and support the show, especially during these times. Artists should be supporting artists. Uh, people should be supporting those who are being creative and doing these things that help entertain during this time of chaos and crazy. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can join us and help us out as we uh, put on the show each and every week, as well as check out some of the bonus episodes we've been putting out once a month there as well. Um, but thank you guys for joining us. Thank you again, Chris, for being here. We guys, uh, we guys, we, we, we guys, we guys, These uh, guys thanks, we thank guys. you guys for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah. Have an awesome week. Bye.